If you're an entrepreneurial public servant, this podcast is for you. Welcome to Inspiring People and Places, where we interview national leaders in the architectural, engineering, construction, and development industry in an effort to educate, innovate, and inspire industry professionals to disrupt the status quo, improve their project teams, and steward public and private investments more effectively. I'm your host, BJ Kramer, President and CEO of MCFA, and today I am excited to have Colin Matola on the show. Colin, welcome to the show, buddy. Awesome. Thanks, BJ. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm really excited to be on. Um, You've had a lot of interesting people, so I'm ready to jump into it. So for those that don't know Colin, and maybe that's most of you, uh, but I'm sure Colin's mom is listening right now, so shout out to her for bringing you into the world. Colin Matola is an MCFA civil engineer out of Penn State. He'll get into that. Uh, And most importantly, he's the first intern I've ever hired at MCFA. Uh, So he was an intern. I don't know. We'll get into that. 2016, I think. And found his way back to us last spring. So while our our show is, um, you know, had a variety of guests, the thing I wanted to highlight the most and why Colin's on is uh, we just started the the interview season for summer internships. And if you don't have an internship program, uh, why? Why don't you have an internship program out there, all of you AEC leaders? It's an important place uh, to invest time and attention and mentorship. And the relationship goes both ways. And we'll get into that in our conversation with Colin. So without further ado, Colin, talk to the audience about who you are and where you came from. All right. Thanks, BJ. Um, yeah, so I guess I'll just start. So I'm from Havertown, a little west of uh, Philadelphia. Um, I guess I'll just jump right into kind of high school. So basically freshman year, um, I did two things. One of them was that I wanted to go to Penn State. And the other was that I probably do something math related. Um, but that was kind of all I knew. So kind of going into senior year, I finally got into Penn State, which was a relief because that would have blew up my two-step plan if I didn't. But I got in and kind of deciding what I wanted to do. I took some stats classes that I liked. Um, I really wasn't too sure. And then my parents said, why don't you consider um, going for engineering? And at the time, I didn't really know what engineers did. I didn't really know the career path that, um, that that could be. But my mom said, look, you'll definitely get a job and, um, it's all math. So I was like, all right, that that's, that's enough for me. So went to Penn state, um, freshman year, got through the classes, um, sophomore year. Before, Again, before you of, go on, did you cl- declare out of the gate you were civil engineer at Penn state? Yeah, so I entered the College of Engineering, but okay. I really wasn't sure what type I wanted to do. I, I didn't know um, kind of what any of them did. I figured I'd kind of learn that as I went. <laughs> so so then it kind of came time for um, internship sophomore year. So I was lucky. My neighbor behind me, Dr. Laveau, he, um, my younger sister is good friends with his daughters. We're good family friends. He said, look, I, one of my best friends has a company. Um kind of right up your alley, maybe something you'd want to do. If you're interested, let me know. So um, I went home, I looked up the website real quick and I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm definitely interested in this. 
So he put me in touch with Michael, who Michael put me in touch with you, BJ. And um, that's how I ended up with MCFA for my first um, internship in 2016. Um, that was really my first kind of professional experience. And the first time I saw what I could do with an engineering degree, what kind of projects I could be exposed to and stuff like that. Um, you also exposed me to a lot where I was able to see how the process of companies getting jobs. Like before I kind of assumed jobs just kind of came and you just did the work, but you kind of taught, taught me how it is to like chase that work. So I left that internship being really excited about kind of what I could do. I kind of just chose engineering. I had no idea. So I was pretty excited after that. So I went back my junior year, um, got through those classes and then got an internship with my uncle at, uh, H2M. Um, shout out it, H2M. You're, uh, you're sponsoring this show. You don't even know it. You're going to pay us a commercial for that. <laughs> so I did, uh, I did some structural design work there. That, that was, that was awesome. That they're in long Island. So most of my family was there. It really worked out for the summer. Um, they exposed us to a lot of projects. So basically it was nice. They did a lot of site visits. So you would see actually what you were working on. Um, which was really exciting, but kind of towards the end of that internship, I kind of realized design work maybe wasn't the best path for me. I just, I kind of want something more hands-on. So I went back to school and um, talked to my friends and stuff. And they're like, well, look into, look into construction. So that's never work construction really, but that's all I applied to after. Um, and eventually I got in touch with the company. I eventually started working for Norwood. Um, they came to the school, they kind of pitched, kind of showed some of the projects they were doing. And I interviewed and I did not get the job. Um, and I was pretty bummed, but I was like, whatever it had happened before. So I, I kept interviewing and stuff. And then kind of down the road, a couple months later, I got an email from them. They said, Hey, you still interested? Um, I said, yeah, so accepted the job right out of college. I was put on a hospital expansion project, um, which at the time I didn't realize how lucky that was. I was really exposed to a lot working on an active hospital, um, on top of an active building. Um, I definitely, definitely learned a lot those three years and the projects so, just. So let me, let me, we're actually meeting with an intern tomorrow. So I'm, I'm prepping Colin right now for the questions that like, Give, give the interns out there that are in your shoes, uh, either graduating from college this spring or getting ready to go to an internship. What, what were some of the things you got exposed to on that first job at Norwood? By the way, everybody, he did not accept my offer to come back to MCFA. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting there. I'll get there. All right. Um, go ahead. No, I, I, I would just say like, I, I was exposed to a lot, basically, um, like how, how the work you're doing, how all that matters is how the end user um, likes it. And basically you want to make, cause it's an active hospital. So you can't just get deliveries there as you please. Like you really have to think how this affects, you just want to keep the customer happy um, at the end of the day. So that that's, that's kind of some of the stuff I, I was exposed to early on there. What, what were the tasks you were doing though, as a, what, what was your job title? Junior construction manager? I, I was uh, a project engineer. So right, project engineer. So what's a what was a project engineer doing on a hospital project on the general contractor side? 
because there you have the owner, you had the construction manager as owner's rep, who we know, shout out to, um, his name just slipped my head. Joey. 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 Yeah. Um, and then we have, we have, uh, Norwood as the GC slash construction manager at risk. Yeah. So, um, basically one of the benefits on working on a project that big as a project engineer, obviously you have your duties, you have submittals, you have RFIs, um, you have meeting minutes, uh, keeping up with the schedule. I would update the schedule a lot in ASTA, but one of the benefits on a project that big with the team is kind of all of the, everything gets funneled down to you, like all, all the little things. So I'm exposed to stuff that I, I didn't even think I became an expert on doors and hardware. I really was on top of like the tile work. I was on top of, um, painting, um, keeping track of the steel as it was erected, stuff like that. Like just stuff I didn't even really know was part of a project. I, I was, I became pretty good at reading, uh, electrical drawings, learning, um, learning stuff like that. So. All right. Awesome. So take us, take us forward. Um, how did you end that project? <laughs> so the projects just kept coming. I, I don't, they were raising a lot of money. So I thought I was only going to be there for about a year and a half. And basically when I left after three years, there were still years of work left. Um, but I, I was there for three years and um, I could feel I was kind of getting ready for a change. I, I had been on the same project kind of for three years. And um, that's kind of when you called and I saw your phone number come up and you asked if I was ready to come back. And I, I was at that point and kind of right when I saw your name jump up on my phone, I knew what was about to happen. So I, I saw a couple of those projects through and I kind of ended up leaving when they were finishing off some others, but. So, and now you've been at MCFA just short of a year, right? Mm -hmm. And what are you doing now? So now I am working at the Navy Yard. They're doing kind of a 20 megawatt electrical expansion project with some underground duct banks, some aerial electrical poles, um, which is, which is great. I, I had no idea when I stepped on kind of what the project was, but now just, I'm kind of fortunate working with Burns engineering. There are a bunch of electrical engineers. So I'm being exposed to electrical engineering stuff. I had, I had no idea about, and I've learned, I wouldn't even recognize the person I am a year ago from all the stuff I've learned just from being out there. Um, also working on some Garden State Parkway projects, um, widening, and just kind of little, uh, little other planning projects I've done with some other team members. All right. I have to go here because it's intern season and we talk about interviews every now and then. So I need to tell everybody about the first time I talked to Colin Matola. So I'm not a partner in MCFA yet. Uh, and it was 2016, right? I know exactly where this is going. And, and I was, I was prepped for this. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm a believer in the internship idea. And this is the first time we're doing it. And I'm a believer because one, I remember when I was coming out of school that, you know, things like Microsoft Excel were newer to 
to people I were I was working with. And it was like I was the whiz kid. So I was like, I wonder what whiz kids are out there that could be teaching me the bleeding edge of stuff. And as everybody knows, I'm I'm an athlete and I'm thinking like, ah, man, it'd be cool to get somebody that's playing college sports or is at least into athletics. And I see this, you know, lacrosse, Penn State civil engineer come across my desk from the referral of Michael's friend. I'm like, wow, I'm going to, I'll just call this, call this guy. See what is, see what is he interested in? Blah, blah, blah. I, th- I think I may be remembering the story. You yeah, know, you're, you may you're be- spot on right now. All right. <laughs> and I think it's like nine o'clock in the morning. It might've been I, a little later. <laughs> and I leave a voicemail and Young Colin Matola, we call him Tommy Matola at, at MCFA because of Will Smith a Will Smith song. Uh, Tommy Matola calls me back and says, oh, "I'm sorry, I was asleep when you called." And I'm like, "What? This is how you start an interview for for an internship, dude?" <laughs> and dude. he choked on his words. He's like, "Can I start over?" <laughs> Yo, that. That was an odd out-of-body experience because as the words came out, I knew I knew they were wrong. And I could just I felt like I was floating above myself looking at you, like, dude, you like you you basically had this internship, you probably just ruined it. <laughs> so, uh, that's, uh, <laughs> it's it's funny though, because I, I do think there's gonna be a day where I'm hiring an intern and I will be a lot more lenient, like because it's I, I thought the internship itself from start date to end date would be the whole learning experience, but I didn't realize the whole interview process was a learning experience in itself. And there's maybe telling your boss that you were asleep when he called you is not the smartest thing to do. <laughs> so it's not, but now Tommy and I have an, in, a, an internal joke or an inside joke for the rest of our lives. And lucky for him, one of my greatest strengths is mercy. And I saw a young, I, I think, I think I saw a project in front of me. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm going to whip this kid into shape. Telling me he's sleeping at 11 o'clock. <laughs> the, the internship starts Monday. Be here at 7 a.m. Um, yeah. All right. I had to tell that story, but I, I mean, the, the message to that is one, like, Hey, uh, interns out there and new recruits out there. Don't sweat. Don't sweat the interview process. You're going to either vibe or not with the culture and the people uh, that you end up interviewing with. So like, don't be upset if you don't get the job. Don't be upset if you don't jive with the people. There's another project, there's another job and everybody's looking for talent. So if you're talented, you're going to find, you're going to find work. Um, the second is leaders don't be so quick to just judge the the kid that's sleeping in at eleven o'clock. You were in college once too. Uh, <laughs> you know, you, you know we're we're creatures of habit. We're creatures of the environment. Uh, I went to West Point. I never got to sleep until eleven. So I, I think there was a little bit of jealousy in the fact that this kid was sleeping until eleven. I don't know what that is. Um, but you know, long story short. We talk about being tough and we are tough and we have high standards, but people are still humans. And at the end of the day, this is a human business. So that's my, that's my shtick there. 
Yeah. Colin, talk to us about Navigate. What's the hardest challenge you've had to navigate or leadership lesson you've learned? Uh, I've got one in my head, but that, that I've interacted with you on, but what do you, what do you got? Um, so I, I was kind of going back to, um, there, there were two things. One, one, which I think was a pretty good story. And this, this happened basically in like my first month. So I didn't, I didn't really understand how big of a deal it was when it happened, but I kind of look at this and it's kind of set the standard for, um, how things are moving forward. So basically we are getting ready to erect steel at the hospital and, it's an active hospital. There's people working under you. So we had a huge plan. We'd meet um, two huddles every morning, tell them, tell them what sections we needed shut down. Uh, at the end of the day, we tell them what was done. Um, and we're like, hey, look, if, if you guys like this is a hospital, if you need to get in here, you call this number, we'll stop right away. So it was really detailed um, planning. Um, and then basically they set the crane up and within like 20 minutes without telling anyone they put six pieces of steel on the roof and it was a huge deal because people were under like fortunately no one got hurt um but they really shouldn't have been working when the hospital wasn't ready for them to work so it was a huge deal and i, I kind of remember being like oh what's gonna happen um norwood ended up stopping work for a week they, they're like we're not working until we're on the same page we like that that is completely unacceptable it's a pretty big deal just to like this project's finally getting underway. Everyone's all excited. And just to stop when like you finally see the building getting put up, but um, it ended up being one of the best kind of decisions. Cause after that week we had, we had new guys in charge and it was really just smooth sailing. We were just so on the same page and they, they kind of like, when we would talk about the project, we're like, well, that was kind of a turning point for, for us as a team, making sure like that can happen. And, and I, I always just think about that. Like if it's, if it's not safe or you need to like regroup, just stop like that. It might pay off in the end. That's a, that's a great lesson to learn out of the gates. It's like, um, complacency, complacency is too easy. And sometimes we're rushing to get things done or rushing to get to a next milestone just because of all of the emotional pressures around a project. And it is project leadership, you know, and in this case, maybe it was luck that nobody got hurt and, you know, you had enough, enough of an event that it's like, whoa, we're rushing, um, but not so bad of an event that it, it, it was catastrophic failure. Um, so shout out to all the safety officers out there that are keeping uh, our project sites safe. Uh, what was your second story? Um, no, I just, just kind of prepping for this. I was, I was kind of thinking of how, how my previous work had kind of, kind of what I learned and stuff. And just basically working at the hospital as well. And it's helped me down at the Navy Yard a lot. Um, looking at drawings is one thing and seeing, seeing how it's supposed to be like, yeah, I, I know, I know how it's supposed to be, but I, I started to realize that um, sometimes how stuff is on drawings, isn't necessarily what's best for the end user. It might be, how a shower is oriented. Like I, I don't care how a shower is oriented, but, but that stuff does matter. It just kind of gave me, um, a level of detail. Like, Oh, this, this outlet should be up higher. Cause like eventually when you put stuff in and it's hard for the end user, every time they're annoyed by it, they think about that. They're annoyed by that, that issue. So just, just stuff like that has helped me to, 
um, and really gives me gives me perspective of stuff that I really think from other people's point of view, like, oh, is this something that that might that might hinder me or something that might bother me? So I, I want to hit two points that uh, you, you brought up. One, I, I exposed you to chasing business uh, early on as an intern. And, and I think that everybody that's in the engineering business needs to be exposed to chasing business because you have to understand the business to really understand your craft. There's, there's engineering side of it. And you could say that chasing business is a, is the marketing team's job, but at the end of the day, the people that win projects are the, and the people that lead projects uh, should be the people winning projects. So I encourage all engineers, architects, engineers, construction managers, to get exposed to the business side of the business as early as possible, because you can develop business development and, and business acumen habits early on that if you're just, just in a technical role, you won't ever get. And no matter what level of technical role you, you aspire to or what level in a, in a company you aspire to, understanding the business of the business is critically important. The other thing is um, engineers getting out into the field. And you talked about it at, at your internships. You talked about appreciating what's on a drawing because you're in the field. And I think that there's a lot of value to being able to translate design intent on a drawing to customer experience in the field and in implementation. And as smart as the people are that design buildings or design projects, like you can't see everything on paper. And whether that's a residential experience, a hospitality experience, a commercial application, a lab application, how the user is going to use the facility is critically important to design and construction. Uh, so thanks for bringing that up. And that's, that's our encouragement to engineers and designers and, and everybody that's studying right now to understand like, you know, whether you're seeking an office and design job or seeking a field and construction job, respect and understand the other sides, um, situation and, and what are they faced with? They're trying to, they're trying to, you know, a designer is trying to put intent onto a drawing that you can figure out in the field and they're not seeing it the same way you're seeing it. So don't be mad about that. Just understand that's why you have a role in the field is to solve problems. Mm-hmm. And I talk a lot about in, in the army, um, they used to, we used to wear the castle on your collar that the, the engineer insignia is the engineer castle. And my brigade commander said, when he sees that, he sees a problem solver. He doesn't say he sees an engineer. Engineers are problem solvers. And it doesn't really matter what the problem is. We expect engineers to figure it out, which leads me to a small story of when Colin was hired, I, uh, I handed him a problem and it was an important problem because it was a project with a new client on a new program. And... I said, dude, I need you to figure this out. And you want to tell this story or should I? You, you can go in and then I'll... Uh... <laughs> you'll, you'll correct me where I'm wrong? No, I, I, you're probably going to be right. Um, say, <laughs> so essentially, I was looking at him as the project manager and the technician on this. And I wanted him to be exposed to it. And I figured, hey, if there's an issue, you're going to report it to me. Um 
And I think he thought that he had the account handled and he was kind of iterating and, and learning the, learning the client, learning the expectations. And all of a sudden we're behind the power curve on uh, the deliverable. And he's like, dude, it's news to me. Like I thought, I thought I was on track here. I thought that there was patience and all of a sudden we're getting banged over the head. And it turns out that it was like whispered down the lane, how bad of an issue it was. It really wasn't. It was just like, Hey, we needed to get a deliverable completed in a certain amount of days or weeks. And we weren't, we hadn't been told that. And all of a sudden it comes VFR direct to me from, from the client. And I'm like, where are we on this? And he's like, I thought there was no sense of urgency. So Long story short, extreme ownership's a core value. I tell Colin, dude, you gotta, you gotta figure this out and get it fixed. And I put him in touch with our network, and he runs down to Baltimore. Shout out to Wes Gucker and his yeah, uh, his shout team. Shout out to Wes Gucker for sure. <laughs> at, and his team at the Traffic Group, and he gives me gives us a little bit of um, some mentorship. And all of a sudden, Colin, with some six a.m mornings and some he doesn't sleep in anymore uh 6 6 a.m mornings and late nights he grinded out and took extreme ownership and got the deliverable uh complete and the customer satisfied what did i miss no it was uh you you were pretty spot on i knew because basically bj had asked he was like do you have any uh autocad experience i was like a very i i i i felt like you kind of understood where I was at, but I was like, look, I, I can learn this. Like I know I can. And all I wanted to do was just get it done and be like, basically slap on BJ's next, you know, like that, that's how, that's how I felt. But in that process, um, I, I couldn't tell how close I was to, to fully learning it. And it was kind of a lesson for me that I, I thought I had it under control when seeing it, I, it was pretty close to under control, but, um, but the lesson for me was just the, the this company's network is so big and BJ's network's big. If I just said, yo, like alarm, can you help me? Because once uh, Wes and his team kind of helped us just seeing them work and what they did, it helped me. Like it put me like two weeks ahead of where I would have been alone. And that that's what kind of helped get us get me over the hump there. So that that was that was a lesson for me too. just raise the hand. It's fine. Bad news doesn't get better with time. Um, and and look, I, I put extreme ownership on our employees and, and in particular Colin because he worked for me directly as an intern. Um, but look, the, no, no company wants to fail. And if you don't have a culture that allows upward reporting or like, hey, I need some I need some help here. Uh, you're setting your team up for failure. So there's this balance between and we talk about it. The uh, tension between teamwork makes the dream work and taking extreme ownership on uh, on the tasks that the company hands you. All right, rapid fire questions. You ready? Yep. Current events. Uh, this might be a barstool sports uh, round. Current events, public policy or society issue you are actively involved in. Um, this was a good question. Um, I think just more kind of with the pandemic and stuff, um, kind of through college, just stuff I've seen, it really got me exposed to, um, and pay more attention to mental health and how that's, that's kind of 
a big deal and just just talking to people and being there and understand that it's okay not to be okay. So that that was something that um, I do feel like it's it's gotten better. People are more willing to talk about stuff like that now. But like like just realize there's so much help out there for people, and sometimes people are scared to talk about it. So making it um, making it more acceptable and open to talk about is something I'm kind of focus on that's awesome yeah i don't i don't always i i always give this medicine i don't always take this medicine but self-care is not selfish so taking personal days all that stuff like the, the pandemic has changed people work-life balance uh i agree with you colin and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up uh so everybody out there uh it is okay to not be okay and and raise your hand if you if you need some help um Favorite quote and why? Um, this one and kind of this, I feel like it's almost a theme of the podcast. And it's funny it came up, but uh, I, it's something my dad would always say to me. He would say, it's okay to make mistakes, but just don't make the same mistake twice. And that's kind of how, like, it kind of gets you over that first mistake. It's got me over it my whole life. Like when I tell you that I'm sleeping over the um, – on our first interview that like, it was like, all right, you're not going to make that mistake again. And BJ, what time did I, when we were interviewing a year ago to come back, what time was I calling you? <laughs> That's right. It's like 7am. <laughs> yeah, every, every time I'd be driving, I'd be like, all right, time for BJ. BJ was like, do you <laughs> only call at 7am now? <laughs> That's so true. All right. Most gifted book. You know, I like reading. You might not gift, gift books yet, but uh, do you have a favorite book? Um, I, I don't know if I put this in the gifted category, but, um, just two books I've read recently. Um, one of them, I'll be honest, I got a little into, uh, Matthew McConaughey rom-coms during the pandemic, but I did read his book Greenlight and it was, ah. it was really good. Um, and all then, right, another, all right, all right. <laughs> yeah, right. And then another, uh, another book that was really good is, um, The Mindful Athlete. I don't, I don't know. Have you read that? I, d I don't think I have. He uh, It's basically Phil Jackson had this guy who taught his team mindfulness and stuff. And, I mean, it worked on the Bulls. It worked on the Lakers. And it was really interesting to, to hear his input on stuff. All right. We're going to have the mindful engineer at uh, <laughs> MCFA. All right. Dead or alive, if you could hang out with three people for a day, who would they be and what would you do? see this was this was one of the toughest questions i was thinking about because i was like do do i go smart or do i just go who would I, i'd actually do i try going so this is this is who it is i go bruce springsteen um because i've just have been listening my whole life and i love him i'd go kobe bryant um just because i mean i knew a lot about kobe but i feel like the last two years i'm reading a new article about him every day and just more curious and the last stud. one stud um the last one has to be Kevin Hart because I think he's hilarious. And we'd probably golf. <laughs> was, you, you would golf with the three of those? Yeah, nothing nothing to it. That was, that's just who it is. I love it. I love it. All right. Um, anyone that you know of that we must interview on this podcast? Um, just another good question. I, I just think – you use so many like sports analogies and stuff. I'd love to, I'd love to see like some coach on, like I'm going to see uh, the Sixers tonight. I'd love if Doc Rivers was on here or something just, just to, for you to pick, pick their brain like that and just see, see a conversation. I love that. 
you see Jason Kelsey supposed to be singing the national anthem this Sunday at uh at the Sixers game? Is he really? Yeah. That's awesome. I did not see that. Um yeah. I want to get your uncle on here too, I think. So you're you're oh. responsible for setting that one up. Oh yeah, I can set that up. Since since they are sponsoring this uh <laughs> podcast today. All right. Uh you're young, you might not be thinking this far ahead, but I force everybody to at least think about it. Legacy. What do you want on your tombstone? How do you want to be remembered? Um, I mean, I, I feel like it's kind of a cliche answer, but you just, I just want to be remembered as someone who um, made someone feel good when I was around and um, looked forward to seeing and um, just really left a, left a good memory, maybe some laughs too. I think you're doing it. Don't, don't forget that that's your answer. Life's going to get more <laughs> hectic. Uh, in the words of the great Andy Reid, the time is yours. What do you want to share with uh, whoever the audience is out there? It, it could be interns. It could be kids looking for their first job. It could be somebody that's uh, older. What's the – what do you want to tell anybody? Yeah, I guess, uh, as you mentioned, we, we have an interview uh, with a potential intern tomorrow. I guess um, – just look, it's fine if you don't know exactly what you want to do. It's you don't have to act like you know what's going on because it, it took me it took me a while to kind of get a, a slight grasp on uh, what was going on. So just just be ready to learn. Um, be be ready to um, just be exposed to anything and keep those relationships uh, fresh and stuff and always check in because who you might end up at your first internship five years later or who knows. So definitely, definitely keep in touch with everyone. And you, you taught me that you definitely uh, done a great job with keeping in touch with me over the last couple of years. And don't sleep until 11 o'clock. Right. And yeah, that, that, that goes without saying, <laughs> I don't think, I don't think anyone would make that mistake though. <laughs> awesome. Well, Colin, it's great to have you on. It's great to have you back at MCFA uh thanks for taking the time to share your lessons learned in an early career with uh with all the audience out there all right awesome bj thank you so much for having me all right everybody if you enjoy this show do us a favor and subscribe to inspiring people in places on itunes spotify or your favorite podcast hosting platform we would also greatly appreciate if you left us a review and shared this with other entrepreneurial public servants uh, share it on LinkedIn. That's where we probably get the most activity. Be sure to visit our website, www.mcfaglobal.com. Sign up for our newsletter uh, if you want to learn more about who we are, what we do, and why we do it. Until next time, have a great week and a great weekend.